This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today. I'm Chris McCarty. And I'm Robbie Greenfield. And this is the Extra Time Podcast. Hey there, it's Robbie here from the Extra Time Podcast. And we're going to focus in on a story that has been dominating the world of tennis for the best part of the last week. It revolves around Naomi Osaka and her decision ultimately to withdraw from the French Open at Roland Garros. Now, a little before Osaka's withdrawal, we caught up with respected tennis correspondent Reem Abelail to get her thoughts on the matter. This was prior to Osaka's withdrawal and Reem had this to say. It's a very complicated topic. I think if you want to ask me what my initial reaction was, like as soon as I saw her post, I was very upset because it comes off as anti-press, right? Like even though later she says that's not what she meant, as soon as you read it, already the press gets so much flack, right? And already they're not painted in a great light, no matter what, even if there is exceptions, everything, blah, blah. At the end of the day, her message didn't really help. And you can imagine what my mentions were like with so much hate coming in, just people in general bunching all of media together and saying, look, if Naomi says that, and I understand she has a massive, massive platform, right? Um, It's a weird one because she said it's about her mental health and that basically, I think the line that really actually I didn't understand is her saying, I don't want to subject myself to people who doubt me. And... From my personal experience, having been in that press room with her since, I would say, 2015, yeah. I think. 2016 was my first press conference with her in Singapore when she was still a junior and she was playing the Rising Stars events there. And everyone has always been very nice to her. And she also enjoys the press conferences. She has said multiple times, and I remember once in Australian Open last year, she was like, Obviously, she she was joking, but she was like, you know what? I sit at home writing jokes, ready to come and tell you guys these jokes. And then I looked at her and was like, she's a, I'm kidding. I do understand that not everyone gets to her because she has this quirky personality and she's not very chatty. But honestly, in the press conference room, she's always been very comfortable because she has had a lot of attention on her, even when she wasn't ranked in the top 100. Japanese press were following her from a young age. People knew she was going to be good. Maybe they didn't think she would be that good, but people knew she was going to be good. So she's used to having attention, and she's used to the press conference format. So I understand that she was once awkward with you guys in in an interview, and she can be awkward in on-court interviews, but she has always been comfortable in press conferences. So I wasn't shocked in the beginning. I was like, where is this coming from? Of course, a few days later, you start to try and think of different ways to look at it. And her sister, I don't know if you guys know, but her yeah. sister posted on Reddit the other day basically saying that uh, someone in her family had told her that she's not good on clay, so it kind of got into her head. We all know that Naomi's record on clay is not as good as hardcourt. It's a surface that doesn't come naturally to her because she didn't grow up on it. Uh, so obviously entering Roland Garros, having won her last two slams back-to-back, because she didn't play Paris last year, but she won U.S. Open and Australian Open. She went on this crazy streak winning over 20 matches that ended when Marisa Kari beat her in Miami. I think Naomi is putting so much pressure on herself wanting to win, and she hasn't been able to block any sort of... uh, Basically, anyone telling her the truth about, okay, your record on clay is not amazing, for some reason she's taking that to heart and she doesn't want to hear that. But she says it in in a way as if the, the press is attacking her the whole time, which is far from the truth. And I'm pretty sure that's not what she meant, but her messaging was off. The way mm-hmm. she tried to convey her message was completely off. 
Okay, Reem, what is your take on this more generically? Should players essentially be allowed to censor things that they don't, things that upset their equilibrium mentally? Is that something that players should have the facility to be able to somehow exercise a degree of control over? Or are you of the opinion that in this kind of game of brinkmanship that is unfolding, that there's just no way out of this, that all players must kind of toe the line when it comes to doing their media duties? I'll tell you what, first of all, because tennis is such an access journalism kind of sport, it's so easy for you to be kicked out of a, that room or so easy for you to be kicked out of a tournament. They can just take your credential, whatever, and you're never going to get an interview if you're super harsh with someone, if you're rude to someone or whatever. It is one of the friendliest press conference environments I have experienced, and I have covered a lot of other sports, right? So right now, every player, it happens so often, where a player just tells, goes in and says, like Serena did it before a million times, when she would walk in the room and be like, I, when she was chasing Steffi Graf's 22 slam record, and she was like, I don't want anyone to talk to me about the 22. I don't remember if it was 18 or 22, one of them. And I remember that was a topic, was off topic. Okay, by all means, if a journalist still wants to ask, they're going to ask, but they're going to get shut down. And there's no point because if that player doesn't want to talk about something, you aren't going to get them to talk, yeah. you know? So already this happens and I accept it. I accept that when I enter that room, I can ask whatever I want, but I also am expecting to be shut down Correct. at any moment and yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Okay, so I, that's why for me, I find that it's quite the most democratic process in my job is the press conference. Because actually the one-on-ones are really restrictive sometimes because an agent can tell you, I'm only going to have you sit with Naomi if you don't ask about X, Y, Z. Whereas the press conference, I can ask whatever I want, but also the player has every right to say next question. Yeah. It happened to me with Sloan Stevens before. Sloan in Cincinnati, there was, was a, only me and a couple of other journalists she had just won, actually. And I asked her a very nice question. It was very tame. I just told her something about, like, Simona Halep said that you've grown so much, blah, 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 because they had just played the final in Canada. And Sloan said, next question. And I was baffled because it was a nice question. <laughs> it wasn't even a tricky one. But who knows what's in her head? Yeah. She has her own reasons. Two questions later, I put up my hand again. I said, Sloan, may, may I ask why you found my question troubling to you? And she said, like I said, next question. And we moved on. And I've spoken to Sloan a million times since. You don't take things personally. It shouldn't be personal, first of all. And we're all grown-ups. I think that there must be a lot of things that we don't know about this Naomi situation. Sorry, sorry, Reem. Just wonder what your hunch is, because she's on court again. And, uh, I mean, I find it incredible that the four Grand Slams have come together on this. There is the threat of expulsion. We're not going to get to that point, are we? Look, I I was surprised when I saw the statement. Um, But uh, at the end of the day, it's within the rules. They want to also send out a very big statement to everyone else saying don't go getting ideas uh, that you're going to do the same as Naomi and actually I have to say that almost 100% of the players have said while we respect Naomi uh, we we don't agree like, or we don't agree, they said we, we think that the press is important to us I'm sure she knows that too what I will tell you is that Naomi has been the utmost professional for the last six years Okay, ultimate pro coming in after losses, coming in after wins. Honestly, in my mind, I'm thinking if this is her one time where she kind of has a misstep, I'm going to give it to her until Mm. she explains herself well. Because writing a note on your phone and posting it 
uh, without even having someone correct it properly for you or help you with your messaging, I, I'm going to cut her some slack simply because she has been the utmost professional. Will it get as far as her getting defaulted? I don't know. It's going gonna, it's gonna to become a power struggle right now. She's the number two seed. She played very well in her opener, like hitting 40 winners in her first match. Like, that's huge. I wonder what's going to happen next. Uh, re- the, what the statement said was that repeat offenses can lead to a, a default in the end. I don't know if she will get defaulted. I, I, I doubt it will get that far. Some people are worried that she'll pull out. She'll be like, I'm, I'm done with I'm this. Done, I'm pulling yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. But the way she played was also a statement where she's like, I'm going to let my racket do the talking. Extra time. No sooner had we spoken to Reem than news filtered through that Naomi Osaka had indeed withdrawn from the French Open and that put a whole different slant on the conversation. We return the following night to discuss at length the ramifications for Osaka's withdrawal, not least how it impacts athletes' relationships with the press. It's myself, it's Chris McCarty, it's Sona Rapani on the Offscript Extra Time podcast and this is our take on the situation revolving around Naomi Osaka. Listen, no one wants to see that. She's the world number two. She is, without question, one of the ladies that puts bums on seats when it comes to tennis. And that's the last thing anyone wanted. It just needs, you know, I always felt that it needed a little bit more discourse. It needed a little bit more conversation for us to understand exactly what Naomi is going through. And I think by her own admission from last night's statement, much better worded, I felt, than the first one she released at the back end of last week. It explained it a little bit more. And for those of you out there to say, hold on a second, she doesn't need to explain herself. This is her own personal issues. You're right to an extent, but that leads to a little bit of confusion as it was last night. I think it clearly states where she's at, where her head is at, what the issues are. And then it allows us to say, okay, how can we and the tennis world and the tennis bodies go about now trying to help Naomi kind of uh, rectify those mental issues that she is suffering from? Yeah, I mean, Reem made the point that uh, tennis journalists tend to be quite polite as as a bunch. The, the players are subjected to quite a, what Reem described as a very fairly pleasant environment in a press conference it's not as hard hitting as perhaps the world some of football sports. some other sports certainly in the US they, they get very direct with their line of questioning Roy sent us a lengthy message he says there's a lot of hype over the tennis player Osaka standing her ground and quitting she admitted to the world she had a depression problem mental health we should all be considerate of she is certainly not a snowflake as she never has reached this level otherwise she'd never have reached this level of tennis but it's time also for the trash sensationalist journalists to be more professional Professional and ask relevant questions when interviewing and not dumb, meaningless drivel and prodding to provoke a reaction that sells a story rather than reporting the reality. And it was a great piece written by Jonathan Liu in The Guardian. Initially, this was a story that, that started and revolved very, very uh, intently around Naomi Osaka, but it's raised wider questions now, I think, about uh, the future of press conferences and the role that they play. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's, it's forced us to consider the usefulness, the purpose of a press conference. And, and Jonathan Liu has written a great piece about the, the mundanity, if you like, the sort of uh, the almost farcical nature sometimes of these press conferences where he's, he said the modern press conference is no longer a meaningful exchange, and I quote, but really a lowest common denominator transaction, a cynical and often predatory game in which the object is to mine as much content from the subject as possible. Gossip, good. 
Anger, good. Feuds, good. Tears, good. Personal tragedy, good. Tragedy, good. Meanwhile, the young athlete, often still caught up in the emotions of victory or defeat, is expected to answer the most intimate questions in the least intimate setting in front of an array of strangers and backed by a piece of sponsored cardboard. And he actually concludes by saying, we as in the journalists are not the good guys. We are no longer the power. And one of the world's best athletes would literally rather quit a Grand Slam tournament than to have to talk to the press. Rather than scrutinising what that says about her, it might be worth asking what that says about us. So is that a legitimate conversation to be had, Chris, about press conferences? Yes, it is, to your point. But Jonathan and... Listen, I'm a big fan of Jonathan, but... We, and I'm quoting here, are not the good guys here. Well, no, some people aren't, but you can't, you can't lump in your remarble ales. And I'll put my hand up, you can't lump in me into that as well, because I like to think in these press conferences, I'm not lowest common denominator. I'm not out to get Dubai I 103.8 and ARN hits by asking ridiculous personal questions. But, but that's not my job. No, I know, and that's Chris. not what all in those press corps are trying to do. But we have had experience of press conferences and often we will keep our counsel in those press conferences because, of course, if you ask a question in there, it's, it's public property. If you ask a question to Naomi Osaka in a press conference, knowing that in an hour's time you've actually got a one-on-one with Naomi Osaka you'll keep your question for the one-on-one so the likelihood of getting that the likelihood of getting those at Wimbledon for example where where this rears its ugly head and and I think Reem is in a great position because with the greatest respects to Jonathan Jonathan is not on the tennis tour Jonathan probably pops up at Wimbledon and the odd Grand Slam. They're they're different beasts. That is where you will get a much larger press corps. We've been to the Mubadala World Tennis Championship. We've been to the Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championship. There's six, seven journalists in there. They are the press conferences that are a little bit more intimate. Where we often see Novak really be cajoled is at the bigger press conferences when there's 60, 70, 80 journalists because the Grand Slams make much more headlines. When we have, in my experience from the more intimate ones, as Reem said last night, they are jovial affairs. They're not being asked hard-hitting questions. We have fun. We've had fun with numerous players in those more relaxed environments. So I'm a little reticent to jump on and go, Jonathan, what a wonderful piece, because what he's doing is he's general sweet sweeping generalisations. Aren't, we aren't all bad guys in the press room. We're not all looking for a quick win, as I would call it. And that's not to say we're not good journalists. We, you know, I'd like to think I do ask some difficult questions. What I'm not going to do, though, is lower myself to try and get a question that has someone revealing something about their personality or, or their per- personal life just to ensure that my establishment, my place of work or my employer's get hits. That's that's the low common denominator. But that, that's the problem that we've reached because there are an awful lot yeah, of those journalists. I, and I, I was watching the interview with Djokovic and the, some of the questions are awful. They're terrible. I mean, they've got no business asking these questions. He's getting a random question about his match against Federer 10 years ago that had no relevance to anything. Yeah, I don't mind that. No, no, but mind, it's a tennis question, Rob. I'd much rather have that and get a bit of insight as we would do with John Terry. That's like saying, why would we ask John Terry for what he went through 15 years ago, Rob? <laughs> That's insight. That, that's a question. What, I'm, what I kind of draw the line at is asking Novak Djokovic what he had for breakfast this morning or, or what he had for breakfast last week. That's the nonsense I can't be doing with. But asking Novak about a match that he had with Federer because you I think maybe... It was, it was the phrasing of the question. It was like, what, what are your memories of having your heart broken by Federer 10 years ago at the French Open? It was just the, it was just the phrasing of the okay, question. That I, I remember thinking, what on earth is... If it pertains to tennis... 
I don't really have a problem. It's the other, the nonsense that I see that I have an issue with. And, and again, I just, I'm a little, I'm a little, not upset, that's the wrong word, but I don't want to be included in Jonathan's piece about we are not the good guys here because, yeah, there are a lot of journalists, quote unquote, that are pretty terrible. I have to be careful I don't swear there. But there are other journalists out there, the reams of this world, and I know an awful lot who, who are actually good people just trying to make a good, honest living. I mean, I read this kind of differently. I didn't see this as a personal attack of, you know, sw- grouping you, grouping you, Reem, for example, into this general statement. I read it differently as, all right, let's look at this. And does this make sense anymore? I mean, you have this situation where this tennis player has come out and says she doesn't want to do this. The people that are getting offended largely, or a large group of people that have gotten offended, has been the media calling her a snowflake, saying, you know, that she's just being a princess, calling her a diva, whatever it is. And it's that group of people when you actually look at it and he's pointing out the the mode of interacting that traditional format of how you know you're connecting the tennis players with their audience is no longer relevant because as he says now there's a direct line between the tennis players and their audience if they so choose so i see it as can't we do better as a format can't we look at a different opportunity when as he gives examples of as rob has, has mentioned here there are so many instances in which it's kind of, like you said, not the best questions being asked. It's not the most palatable format for either party in some cases. Can't we do better? Yeah, but what is better? Because from, from, from what you've said there is what you're saying, that social media, that they're able to have more control and, and go on social media. Is that what we want? Is that a, an area we, we have on the show derided social media? We want more social interaction. I think we're going down a dangerous route if we are saying that young kids of today, young men and women, should only be interacting through the advent of social media. I think that's dangerous. I think we need to be, and this is me just speaking, I think we should be promoting more social interaction because that is not a society I want where I'm not able to have a conversation with my young daughter, look her in the eye and be able to be confident in delivering you know, the, the spoken word and be confident in actually articulating emotion. If we are taking that out, we are heading, and I know I may be looking too far in this, this is one lady, but... If Jonathan in his piece is saying that we are now not relevant, it's not relevant to speak to human beings about emotion, then my God, where is well, this world going? No, I just think I, it's press conferences. There's right. nothing There's nothing wrong with the idea of an intimate interview per se, or a, a, a certainly something a bit, that's a bit more relaxed. I've sat in a lot of press conferences and they are sterile affairs. Let's not be all. honest. Most, not 95% of them, not and when they are such a staple, when there is clearly, what struck me about this is, is the vociferousness with which the Grand Slam have defended this institution and and it's never been analysed really before no one's ever really yeah, thought but, but there's good a reason that they do Rob because again I go back to it there's 80 press people in that room 80 people are not getting one-on-ones with Naomi Osaka there are press conferences for a reason because you're trying to, if I'm the organisers of Wimbledon and you've got Novak Djokovic standing there, you want to be on the back page of the Japanese Tokyo, whatever it is, Herald. You want to be on the back page of the Times in New York. You want to be on the back page of the Sunday Morning Herald. There's reasons why press conferences take place because Novak Djokovic does not have the time. We're fortunate where we live here in Dubai that we get one-on-one times. These guys and gals do not have time to be giving one-on-one interviews 
with a hundred different publications. Press conferences have their time and they have their place. I'm, I'm massively defending the media on this. They absolutely do. There are numpties in those rooms. They need to be weeded out. But we as journalists who have I've broken my back in this game. I, I, I'm not saying I deserve, but you know, I, I like to think I put the research in to ask sensible questions that our listeners and my readers and previous employers would want to hear the thoughts okay. of these people. And there's no doubt, Chris, that th- the future is going to evolve and press conferences may or may not be part of that future in sport. And there's, 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 this is going to certainly, if this isn't going to bring about a sea change, it will certainly dial up the scrutiny on this particular yeah, device. Well, I think what it does do is it makes, and I'll refer to them once again as numpties, it makes the people that are going to ask stupid questions, it maybe will make them you know, think twice because there is going to be an awful lot more kind of scrutiny on, on what has been asked. We're getting a raft. Uh, we've got to get to some of these messages because there's uh, the full gamut of thoughts and, and views coming in. Will's been in touch to say post-match interviews on court in tennis are a disgrace to the sport and should be banned. Again, I disagree, Will. I think there's a number that are pretty poor. I think Jim Courier is genuinely one of the very best in the business in any sport. There's a real warmth. There's a genuineness about them. The Australian Open on court interviews, certainly to my knowledge, no one has complained about Jim's methods the way that Jim is he's like a big cuddly bear isn't he and they have some really lovely insightful conversations in the Australian Open so I politely disagree on that front millions of people worldwide probably have jobs that cause stress or depression but I have to deal with it as they don't have the luxury of walking away from something they don't like as they don't have millions in the bank that's Wayne's thoughts coming in. No name on this one. Coming from a professional coaching background, having been to the Olympic Games, you are obliged to speak to the press. They support the whole industry. She has had the career earnings to get training on how to deal with it. However, the IOC, and in this case, the WTA, can offer guidance to both press right. and players. And that's my point. So, so let me move the conversation on then, and I'll ask this question, because players and their team are responsible for their physical fitness. Now, Soane, you and I have been discussing this off air and you have made the point that mental health, because it is intangible, because it's not physical, it's not obvious, it is harder to pinpoint than physical injuries per se. But a player is responsible for their physical fitness. If a player is injured, then they are missing that tournament to recover from the injury. Is it therefore also their job to be personally responsible for their mental health? Or is it the job of the organisation or the sport to provide adequate support because the sport doesn't necessarily provide that for physical injuries. So where does the, where does the line get drawn there? But I don't, I don't think those. I, I don't think that's a, a separate point. I think she is taking responsibility for her mental health. I think she is acknowledging and and understanding. And we have talked about this. I personally. Her first statement, I did think it was unclear, but I don't like how people are so quick to dismiss it because you can't see it. If we were talking about an ankle injury here, this wouldn't be up for question. But because she's talking about something that you can't see, but that is a genuine struggle that is potentially affecting her play, then we're so quick to sort of override it and dismiss it. Now, when it comes to her taking accountability for her mental health, how else is she supposed to do that other than to say, I can see this is affecting my mental health. I am aware that I have these challenges. I need to work on them. But this one particular activity is really, really holding me back in that arena. I have to put my foot down and say no to that. I think that is her taking accountability for that. 
Right, but I'm, what I'm, say, what I'm saying is... Ideally, she's going to work with the tournaments and the organizers to say this is... I mean, I think that would have perhaps been a more suitable way to go yeah, about this, absolutely. personally. Um, but, but yes, you do have to work with people in order to say that, but I think that's her to, taking a stand. To continue this comparison, though, if that were a player who said, listen, I've got, you know, whatever, I've got a really sore ankle or whatever, I need an extra five minutes of on-court treatment every single match. Because essentially what she's doing is asking or, or, or kind of looking to step away from something which none of the players particularly like by all accounts, which can impact their performance on court. And, um, and the, the idea is that we're, we're supposed to accept that. Now, if this was a physical issue that you said, okay, if it was an ankle issue, she might not be able to play in the event because she might simply be physically incapable of. But if she were, she, this is tantamount to her asking for special treatment. And that's the question. She's asked for special treatment. She's come out and she's kind of said, I'm demanding it because I'm not going to turn up for these press conferences because they put me in a bad frame of mind and they affect my mental health. If you're comparing the two, then how does that work? No, I mean, I, I agree with you. She is asking for special treatment. But again, I think with mental health, it's not as black and white as maybe when you talk about physical health. I don't think everybody's like, well, OK, she can just go get help. I mean, this isn't the same as, as, you know, spraining your wrist and then it healing. This is very different. It's not, it's something that's an ongoing process. It's something that can be confusing. If she's talking about having bouts of depression that she struggled with for, for extended periods of time, I mean, that is a really overwhelming thing to overcome. And if, if I, as I said, I don't necessarily think this was handled as best as it could be. I think the ideal thing would be to be more transparent with the tournament organizers and say, I am dealing with this. What can we do? But, you know, if she is taking a stand to say, this is what I need for my well-being, for my game to, to be at its peak, I, I, I would, would consider that a bold stand for her and, to take. And, you know, I salute her for this. And, and I don't want my thoughts to be misconstrued that I am having a pop here at Naomi Osaka because I am simply not. I understand that mental health is a serious issue. And I am so glad that it has come to light in recent years. There is more understanding and there are more people saying, hey, stop. I suffer from various mental issues. I'll come back to a point I made a couple of nights ago because I can't help but think I applaud Naomi for saying, yes, I have these issues, putting that out into the public domain. I've got a, long, a young little daughter now. I can't help but think, though, that if, if my daughter was to go through this, for me, Naomi's only completed half the cycle now. It's imperative, like if she suffered an ankle injury, like if she suffered a wrist injury, what would she go and do? At least I hope she would go and get it fixed. She would see the best top surgeons, the best physios to get that fixed. I sincerely hope as a role model with my little daughter, maybe in future looking up to these tennis players, that Naomi and it's her, it's, listen, I appreciate this is her life, she can do what she wants. You know, she didn't dream of being a role model, she dreamt of being a tennis player. I would have my heart of hearts hope that she now goes away and works with the very best in that realm to help her get over those mental hurdles, sitting down in a room with strangers, as she puts it. Because you're absolutely right, whilst it comes naturally to some, it doesn't to others. Because the only way that this truly becomes something that we all understand and move on from is, yes, mental health, like you have said, Sono Rapani, is there's no difference from a physical ailment. The difference in my mind seems to be physical ailments get fixed, mental health, right now, there seems to be this, no, I've got to stay away from the things that don't make me comfortable. No, go away and work at it. Come back because you know what, Naomi? 
we'll, we'll, we'll rid ourselves of the numpties in the press conference rooms. There's good people in there that do want to hear your thoughts and will help you feel comfortable in that situation because you know what? We do value what you think and what you say in your press conferences. There are people that want to hear from you. There are people in Tokyo and Australia and New York that want to hear from you and I think that's important. We need to say, hey, saying you've got a mental health problem is great, well done. Let's now say, listen, where can we go to give these people the help to see them back here? Just saying no is not enough for me. I want to see these people back and hopefully comfortable in doing what they're doing. Bubba's sent a lovely message to say you've done a good job of showing both sides on a difficult issue. He's actually said no substitute for the rigour of good journalistic questioning in sports. Linear controlled dissemination of info and marketing spin via social media cannot replace quality incisive questioning. Let's see how the WTA and Slams may handle this. They should have a chance to adapt to maintain journalistic opportunity while also accommodating legitimate and pressing health concerns. Articulate as always, Very Bubba. good, very good. That's a great message. And, and Sonal's pointing out the world's changing and, you know, sport and, and the, the sort of mechanics and machinery around it need to change with it. It is amazing how the, the craft of journalism has changed so drastically in the wake of this era of fake news, Twitter, digital media, the need for clicks, this clickbait era in which we're living with, which has, I think, fed quite a lot it's of... It's a frightening time when, to be a when, journalist. When you, when you walk into a press conference and say a, a US Open or a Wimbledon and, and those players do look up because when Naomi's here at the, the Dubai Duty Free Tennis Championship, she'll see six or seven familiar faces because they're the ones that follow the tour all year round. When you've got a sea of faces, none of whom you recognise and someone's trying to get trying to get you, trying to stitch you up on a question because they're trying to get a clickbaity headline for, for whatever for newspaper their, yeah. it is they're writing for, that is, is definitely an issue. That, that is not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, it is, it is a scary thing for, for journalists and I appreciate that's not Naomi's problem but when you think of this fake news and when you think of anyone who is or, or you know gets a question they don't like and, and they put it down I'm thinking of one man, one man only fake news, fake news and you, you then as Bubba t- to go back to what he said this idea that you can create your own we're all our own brand now with social media and stuff and I've, you know you know my thoughts on that, but equally there is still a place for journalists, for, for good, honest journalists, and it's finding that space. And listen, if the, one of the, the results of what Naomi has said and, and the, the issues that she's dealt with is that, we sit down and we say, right, how can we make this process a little bit better for all? Then I'm all for that. I just, the idea of journalists, because, you know, this is this is my profession, the, the idea of journalists being locked out because people simply aren't comfortable anymore and they would rather interact on their phones to their their people directly that scares me I just think that's a bit of an extreme reaction I don't think that's what this instant was is let's stop all yeah, interaction what, if, with- you, if you look if you take what the literal word is she's uncomfortable talking to strangers in front of her sonal so you know unless she gets that fixed Naomi Osaka is essentially saying I don't like speaking to anyone I don't know that's that's us that's we the journalists so you can see where I'm, I'm going at an extreme but if she doesn't go away and, and work on her mental issues, then that is one person. Does one person become two? Two become three, and I'm extrapolating out. But essentially, she is saying she is not comfortable talking to journalists and strangers that she does not know. 
I think that's for okay. The reason I think that's a little bit of a stretch, and I'm okay. I'm reaching here a little bit of some of the information from the description we got from Reem yesterday about Naomi participating, being professional, being enjoyable during those press conferences, and even the the description that her sister, Naomi's sister, wrote and released to the public, saying, "Listen, it was this one issue she was having. She was getting really in her head about certain. She was getting, I guess, anxiety, you could say, or issues related to playing on clay, and she just wanted to focus." And, and find a way to block block out and get some mental clarity and focus. It doesn't seem like, I mean, I don't know if Naomi, if she got away with this, if she would have continued to say, I'm never doing a press conference again. I don't know how much other players would have jumped on this. I get that once you allow it once, that's creating an issue. But I think the, the text we, we read from Bubba hits it on the head for me, that there is an opportunity to do both, to have a chance to adapt what the current format is to maintain journalistic opportunity, but at the same time being accommodating to health concerns. It's can't we at least look at this and investigate rather than being so offended because we're journalists and this attacks our uh, profession to say, okay, there's something that's not working here. What else can we do? And I don't know. I know you said, what is the alternative? I don't know. I haven't really given much thought to the actual format, but could we not speak to tennis players and say, listen, is it the timing? What is it about this format? Would you like, you know, some questions to be vetted a little bit more so that they're a little bit more high quality? I mean, I don't know, again, exactly enough about this issue to know how it should be done, but it does seem like this is an opportunity here to adapt. Yeah, I'm not sure how we adapt. If she's not comfortable speaking to strangers, there is no way you can adapt other than becoming someone that she recognises and she's familiar with. Patrice, that's very aptly put, Patrice. Do we want gentle? We crave sensational. And that is the problem. We as a society crave... Some people do. Sense, well, some people what do. sells What sells newspapers? Well, that's, that's or the sad I say thing. what sells newspapers. That's I mean, newspapers aren't really sold anymore. What generates clicks on websites is sensationalist headlines. And that, We're again, is a problem. Give me insight and anecdotal absolutely. stuff all but day long. I absolutely agree with you, but... Um, unfortunately, the, the the machine of media is is driven by sensationalist, absolute tripe. Not that's, Rob, that's, Rob, that, Rob. It is though, no, Chris. No, not you. No. I'm saying Rob Juice that's oh, texting sorry, in. Sorry, he's been trolling <laughs> gonna, all night long. <laughs> I was, I Rob, was, uh, we were going to have a proper fight. I've got to say this to, to Rob, who's been in. Is Chris suggesting conversation therapy? Some people will never be able to speak to strangers. We need to be understanding. Not say she needs to change. I'm not saying she needs to change. What I'm saying, Rob, she needs to evolve. If you've got any issue, you're a father of two young girls, Rob. What I'm saying is, if someone opens up a physical or a mental issue. Surely you can understand. Seek help. Seek help is all I'm saying. Don't close the door to something. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, we don't know if she's seeked help or not. Well, exactly. But she's admitted to an issue. Mm. So I'm, I'm, yeah, ho- yeah, I'm exactly. hopeful. I'm hopeful that she will go away and seek help and not just say, I've got this issue and close the door on. And my rudimentary understanding of it is if you do, if you are prone to those dips in your, in your mental equilibrium, uh, that, that is something that you are prone to. And there's no, there's no sort of quote-unquote cure per se you can work on it correct you can evolve evolve you can you can certainly put time and effort into making it less of an issue for you but but it's always going to be in the background because it's part of your makeup right and i think a big crux of the issue victoria's been in touch quite a lot to say you don't get shy salespeople or accountants that are bad at maths it's kind of as everybody said it's part and parcel of the job i think this all comes down to perspective i think you see a lot of journalists a lot of people who work in sports as an industry who will say of course it's part of maintaining this machine it's what gets everybody paid. It's the reason, as everybody said, that she's able to bring in these huge sponsorship fees. But I think from her perspective, I would imagine that she sa- sees her job as playing great tennis. 
That's so I, I do think that's it. I think it just comes down to a difference of perspective. Absolutely. I think a lot not. of fans would agree with her, and I think that's why a lot of fans have been supporting her, that her primary job is to play great tennis, and she mm. has to do what she has to do to get there. So I just think it's, it's a matter of perspective as well in terms of how people are seeing this. That's a conversation that has so many strands to it. And obviously, I think it goes without saying that we wish Naomi Osaka all the best in making a healthy return to the tennis court. Not sure when that will be. I'm sure we will get notified as to her plans in the coming days. It's been fantastic to hear from so many of you. Thank you very much. Clearly, it's a debate that people feel very strongly about. Thank you for listening to the Extra Time Podcast. With myself, Chris McCarty and Robbie Greenfield. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate it, and please do give us a review. This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe today.